It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, October 9th. I'm Donald Ware. What a week six of HBCU football that we had this past Saturday. Some uh, some some upsets, a couple of upsets as a matter of fact, and um, some teams that really needed to win football games, able to win football games. We're not necessarily going to run down the scoreboard, but it, it may seem like it because when you look at some of the scores and you know, there were some teams that really needed to win football games and they were able to do so. So let's get right to it. South Carolina State uh, able to defeat Morgan State 21 to 18 and a bit of a surprise because you're talking about Morgan State coming off that victory a couple of weeks ago against North Carolina A&T on the road. It was homecoming in Baltimore this time around. South Carolina State was coming off a loss to A&T. And then for South Carolina State to get that victory over Morgan State, that's got to be really disappointing for that Morgan State program who looked like it may have been on the verge of turning things around. And it's not to say that they still can't, but, you know, you have a week off, you come off your last game against A&T and can't quite get it done. That's a bit of a setback. Meanwhile, the South Carolina State Bulldogs get their first victory of the season. One of the more subtle games – I. You know, we we look at, and it's a non-conference game, especially later in the season, but Albany State defeating Catawba 35-21 uh, to 21 is, a, is a good win for Albany State, who's starting to come on. Remember, Albany State now is 2-0 in SIAC play, still some of its toughest opponents ahead. But again, if you can continue to get that momentum as Albany State is getting, they started the season off very uh, uh, slow. As a matter of fact, and Catawba, generally a, a pretty good team, especially in that uh, SAC conference. So that's a pretty big win for them. Probably the biggest shocker in HBCU football was the fact that Alabama State defeated Alcorn State 28-25 to in five overtimes. Five overtimes and um, uh, a great win. Really, a great win for Alabama State, and a win that the Hornets really needed. Alcorn State had come into this thing on a roll; they were moving up in the box-to-row coaches and media polls, and have now been stymied to some degree. And Alabama State getting that really big win over Alcorn State, and so now it seems like we're going to have a we have this year. It seems like we're going to have more parity in the SWAC's Eastern Division. You're talking about an Alcorn State program that has dominated the East. They they are the four-time defending Eastern Division champion. And so you're looking at a, an Alabama State program that, remember, uh, halfway through last season, Alabama State fired Brian Jenkins, and they brought in Donald Hill Ely. He was already on the staff as the interim head football coach. He won five of the last six games became the head football coach this year or had the interim tag removed and, and um, you know, got off to a bit of a slower start. But I think now, you know, they, they had to go toe-to-toe with Tuskegee to even win that game. And that's a, you know, obviously that's a rivalry game. But to be able to beat Alcorn State 28-25 to in five overtimes to be able to outlast them is really, really big. So, 
uh, I think you have some parity because not only Alabama State, but you have Alabama A&M. That's three and three now. They've won two straight. You have Jackson State. That's two and two now. So we may see a little bit more parity. I th- still think Alcorn State is the team to beat. But if it comes down to a tiebreaker, Alabama State owns the tiebreaker over Alcorn State. Morehouse, the only undefeated team in HBCU football, defeats Tuskegee 30-24 to in three overtimes. Another overtime game, and Morehouse wins that game in three overtimes. And you look at this Morehouse program, and, and, I, and I said this on From the Press Box to Press Row this past weekend, which, of course, each weekend can be heard on a radio station near you. My thing was... Morehouse had done what Morehouse needed to do. They were on a roll. They had, you know, they won a couple of close games maybe against lesser opponents. So the true test to me, not to take anything away to that point from Morehouse, but the true test for me was can you defeat Tuskegee, a perennial power in the SIAC, the defending SIAC champs? And the Maroon Tigers answered that question. And you know, Santos Dunn, who is the running back for Morehouse, named the Box to Row National or one of the Box to Row National Players of the Week. What a phenomenal game he had. 128 yards rushing, three touchdowns, including the game winner. And that was that big Tuskegee Morehouse classic uh, that they played down in Georgia. So that's a huge, huge win for Morehouse. Speaking of really big wins, North Carolina Central. Bounces back, defeats Howard 40-35. to That game was played in Durham. If you go back a couple of weeks ago or a couple of Saturdays ago, Florida A&M came into Durham and absolutely pounded, pounded North Carolina Central. So you're talking about a more high-powered, I would say a more high-powered uh, Howard offense, really, when you talk about Kalen Newton and the receivers and Ezzard and Kyle Anthony, who the offense played magnificently, but the defense just could not hold North Carolina Central. And remember, uh, you go back a couple of Saturdays ago against Florida A&M, doesn't have a, it has a pretty solid defense. Central could only manage 14 points, and they had to outscore. So Central still, you know, maybe has some, still has some issues on defense, but at the end of the day, they were able to outlast Howard and, We look at the sophomore quarterback, Chauncey Caldwell, a breakout game this year. Seems to have struggled a little bit or had struggled earlier on. Guess what? Completed 24-38 passes, 311 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Also rushed for 153 yards in this ballgame. He accounted and a touchdown. He accounted for 464 yards of total offense and four touchdowns in the ballgame. And needless to say, he was named our other box to row national player of the week. Speaking of Florida A&M, a 17 to nothing victory over Norfolk State. Uh, it, to me, this was it, it was homecoming there in Tallahassee. I thought this, you know, it was going to be an interesting matchup because both teams had come in winners of their last two ball games. To me, Florida A&M's resume in those two victories a little more high, a little bit better, a little more high profile for the fact that they defeated Florida A&M in one of those games. But uh, listen, you got this Florida A&M program that is on the rise. 
maybe, I mean, arguably, I mean, arguably right now, Florida A&M is the hottest team in HBCU football right now. Right now. now, you know, it's probably to me between them and Prairie View A&M. Prairie View A&M is 3-3 three and three right now, but if you look at their schedule, I mean, their schedule has been hard, has been very, very difficult. Prairie View A&M, of course, had the bye week on last week. So between Prairie View A&M and Florida A&M, maybe the, the two hottest teams in HBCU football, and now Florida A&M has to go into Greensboro to take on North Carolina a and as one its last two ball games, and that should be a great matchup. You're ta- Again, I continue to talk about Ryan Stanley, an elite-level type of quarterback in the MEAC. He continues to play well. He's given A&T problems over the years, so that's going to be an outstanding football game. One of the challenges for Florida A&M is the fact that we have this uh, the, the Hurricane Michael that is coming through Florida. So uh, I was on the press conference, the MEAC press conference on Tuesday, and Willie Simmons, the head football coach at Florida A&M, talked about it. He talked about the fact that the football team was going to stay there, going to ride out the storm, and then try to make its way up to uh, to Greensboro after things died down. So that's an interesting dynamic as well also. So we'll have to see how that play really plays out. But on paper, that is going to be a great football game between Florida A&M and North Carolina A&T. Tennessee State loses to Austin P 49 to 34 and because of that loss, more so because of that loss, I would say than the North Carolina A&T victory over uh just a just a, a bad Delaware State. They're not bad, but it's just, you know, they they they're, they're trying to rot you know, uh, Rod Milstead really trying to build that program up. It's just not been good for so many years. Bad, I think, is the wrong uh, thing to say because they got some talented guys, actually, on that Delaware State team. Um, It was more so Tennessee State's loss. They lose a conference game. And listen, the thing about Tennessee State, you know, it's like these last couple of years when they've had an opportunity to uh, not necessarily win the OVC, but to maybe get an at-large berth, they lose to teams that are, I don't want to call Austin P a bottom feeder, but coming into this game, Austin P was 0-2 in conference play, and they were 2-3 and on the season. You're talking about a Tennessee State team that was coming off a victory, or, or, excuse me, a loss to Vanderbilt 31-27, to a close football game. So Tennessee State's got to try to find a way to win some of these football games, but I'll tell you what, it's been – you know, it, it's been tough, and you got to be able to win a football game against Austin P. and Tennessee State could not get it done. So Tennessee State falls from the top spot in HBCU football, and A&T regains the top spot in all of HBCU football. Of course, you can log on to BoxyRow.com and check out the coaches and media polls. Chowan defeats Bowie State 42-23. to that game was in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. Never saw that coming. Uh, I think more so than the fact that Chawan was able to score the forty-two points, which is which you know is is good. They, their their offense is really high powered with their quarterback running game, so on and so forth. But the fact that they held Bowie State to twenty-three yards of total offense. Bowie State led Division Two last year in total offense. And they are at the top of the ranks this year. You're talking about a premier quarterback in Amir Hall. 
And while Amir Hall had a, a, a solid game, he threw three touchdowns. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he threw for over 300 yards. Again, in this game, he threw two interceptions, and that is not Amir Hall-like. So give Chawan a lot of credit from a defensive perspective in terms of what uh, they are, uh, were able to do against Bowie State. To hold Bowie State to 23 points, and particularly that it was Chawan who, whose defense really – the defense for Chawan – Basically, I mean, in essence, for the nine or ten years that they've been playing in the CIAA has been non-existent existent for the most part. The offense has always been there, and the whole Bowie State to 23 points, I think, really speaks volumes about Chawan. So, I mean, that about wraps it up for Takeaway Tuesday. Those are my thoughts on Takeaway Tuesday, give me your thoughts. What did you think about the HBCU football uh, for uh, uh, this past Saturday for week six? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on my personal Twitter page, dware one D-W-A-R-E, the number one, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, you can hit me up there as well, or on Instagram, uh, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Give me your thoughts. Those were my thoughts. Have a great day.